What's up, guys? It's Nick Summers. This is my podcast. You know the deal. No corruption, just lobbying. The name says it all. I really hope you give it a listen. We got some great guests. Also, just me and my dumb self talking. So I appreciate all the love, though. Thank you. Hi. Uh, so could you go ahead and give your name for me? Yes, my name is Brianna Brooks. Okay. Um, so first question here, um, how would, involved would you say you are politically and where do you consider yourself in terms of political views? Yeah, so um, currently um, I would say I'm pretty active, especially with organizing. I've helped with um, campus protests for um, Black Lives Matter movements, I would say that's pretty political um, for me um, as a Black woman. So I would say I'm really involved in the social justice um, activism part of politics, not really active in terms of like canvassing or um, voter outreach, but as terms of organizing, that's where I am. Okay. Um, so in terms of like your political views, where would you consider yourself? Oh, I know you kind of um, just explained a little bit of it, but. Yeah, I would say I'm extremely liberal, okay. um, very, left, very left-leaning, um, very, um, I guess, progressive, okay. if that's the term. Right. That yeah, no, it, I know there's a bunch of different terms and different meanings, yeah. but yeah, okay. All right. Um, so next question is, what type of news do you consume and usually how often do you consume it? Um, I consume like CNN, NPR. Um, I'm really bad at falling into the Twitter hole. Um, I would say that for me, like I follow like Alicostio, um, Alec, oh my gosh. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have to get um, initials first before I could say her actual name. Um, I um, sometimes I follow Hassan Minaj, who is a political like streamer. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Now I'm saying. Uh, so like in Hassan terms of B. like so news, do you? Hassan Abdi and Hassan Minaj are two different. So I follow like right. Patriot Act. Minaj and then Hassan okay. Abi, I do um, know both of them. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So do I mean? Do you like just kind of do you do you do more like a just kind of look at the daily news and and stuff like that? Yeah. So I have like um, I guess for me like when I see something on Twitter, like I will research it. So, right. so I will use the sites like CNN, NPR, Time more left-leaning sites mm-hmm. i'm not gonna search on fox yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> so makes sense that's a lot of yeah um so next question here i mean i know there's obviously a lot of issues in the united states um but do you have any that are at the top of your list um i said name three but you can even just do one or really okay. like i said i know there's endless amounts but um just kind of give oh, yeah. what's at the top of your list basically so i think um 
Number one is white supremacy and white nationalism is a huge problem that um, we are not facing as a country, um, just because it does infiltrate a lot of other faucets of life um, that intertwines with reproductive rights, right? Right, supremacy and white nationalism kind of um, infiltrate people's minds of, oh, like we um, need to strip people's rights away because we're not having enough white babies. Or um, we talk about the school system, right? It's a kind of a class privilege to be educated in a wealthy white school district. Um, we talk about uh, Christianity as the default religion that's white supremacy. You can talk about, there's a lot of different ways that white supremacy kind of infiltrates itself into issues right. um, that the United States refuses to confront. Um, racism, right, systemic racism, redlining. Um, we can talk about, like white supremacy is the foundation of this country, if we're right. being 100% honest. And that's how we, as a country, kind of, either we like, um, just, um, I guess like distance ourselves from it and like dispel it and be like, hey, this is wrong. This is that we're going to do as crunchy or we fall victim into it. And we kind of right. um, let a coup happen on January 6th. <laughs> like, it's yeah. kind of. Um, so there's right. two ways we can go with that. So okay. that's issue number one. I would say issue number two. And honestly, the way I, would fix like I see like right now it says how would you propose we fix or address those issues for white supremacy alone um the biggest fix is actively being anti-racist and being as a country like we don't believe in this I like ignoring policies that are made in the name of white supremacy and kind of getting to the point of hey we're not going to tolerate this anymore like having policies in place where white supremacy is punished and kind of where we can as a I don't know as a group of people integrate those ideas into our curriculums or into our community efforts so mm -hmm. we can say hey we used to believe this as a country this is why it's wrong this is what critical race theory is which is why people are against it because that's mm -hmm. educating the masses on what has happened in history right. to get to where we are now. Believe it or not, some but. people don't think that's the right idea. I don't know how, but <laughs> yeah. um, so okay. we can we can kind of move on to yeah. the next question because I know there's yeah. a lot of topics to cover as well. Um, speaking of white supremacy though, uh, what do you think of Joe Biden? Um, if you're not in favor of him, is there a potential candidate that you would rather see right now? I mean, I know obviously there's not a presidential um, election, but yeah, I think um, what we're what we fail to realize as a country. Well, honestly, Joe Biden was the only choice for like forty to sixty-five. If we were going to elect a Democratic, right, like one who is mm -hmm. supposedly left-leaning that was gonna be our more moderate candidate to get into the office and push Trump out. That mm. being said, cause my grandmother, my mother, they love Joe Biden. Oh my God, Joe, because he was adjacent to Obama. So mm. then they associate his presidency as a continuation of the Obama presidency, which is not right at all. Cause yeah. right now he's not doing shit. Right now he's not doing shit. <laughs> and that, yeah. I'm not joking, like that's 
that's a bad thing because when we become kind of content with politicians not doing shit mm-hmm. we're like oh don't worry him and Kim- Kamala are coming him and Kamala are coming baby Kamala's in the White House right now <laughs> getting so crusty. she's not she doesn't have an mm-hmm. issue that she's running like like that she's kind of heading or initiative or she's not gonna be remembered for anything right now she's mm-hmm. not really involved in his presidency like we thought she would be and Joe just sits down and gets fucked by Republicans so I don't think that <laughs> <laughs> that's no you're good that you're good so it's fine it's fine that sounds so bad. um i don't think that doesn't that sound bad that. that's true <laughs> i know but i'm just saying like i don't know how else to say it nicely yeah. um so even though we have the three um houses right like like i'm sorry not three houses two houses and the white house i'm gonna three houses i'll mm-hmm. go then underneath um democratic majority right like right now if we wanted to codify Roe v. Wade, like they've been saying they've been doing since 2009, we could do it. Mm-hmm. They just want to be bipartisan about shit and not bully like the Republicans do. And so nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. But, that is an admirable quality that Republicans have. That's pretty much the only one, but I will say they do yeah. they do bully the shit out like, of their people. <laughs> yeah, they all I don't gotta understand. fall under that one line. Yeah, I'm not understanding why we're trying to be all civil when mm-hmm. other people are playing dirty, but right. Um, there's not really a candidate right now that I'm being. Um, so we have two years left till the 2024 election. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully somebody Who knows, comes. Yeah. That is a bit more. A lot of people say Bernie, but you know, he might not, he might not be alive in 2024. <laughs> the bigger problem is like, speaking of like age within politics like even then we shouldn't be electing these people who are old enough to remember civil rights like if you can remember <laughs> that there was a black only sign mm-hmm. in your neighborhood we shouldn't have you in office mm-hmm. i'm sorry that I sounds agree. so bad there's no way to have progress in a society that remembers like the antithesis of progressive right so people are trying to roll back rights because mm-hmm. that's the good old days to them. That's mm-hmm. not good old days to everybody. That's their good old days. And so, yeah, um, that's for sure. We need to find someone who's younger. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that would appease the older voting population, but I think it's time that we kind of get underneath this whole let's elect 80 to 90 year olds to mm-hmm. run our country. Right. I definitely feel the same way. Um, so we can move on to the next question. Um, are you more interested in, I mean, this is a nuanced topic, but federal government or more local and state government? Um, like, what do you really focus on more? Um, I think as an educator, I'm more focused on um, state government. Like I know like Ohio just passed um, House Bill 99. Mm-hmm. I know that they're looking to pass, I think it was, House Bill 212, which is like their equivalent of the don't say gay um, bill. So as an educator, I'm worried about what house bills are being passed that impact my day to day. As a black woman, I'm more interested in federal government and what the fuck they're doing up there being able to say, hey, we can 
mm-hmm. abolish abortion. Next, you know, it's Loving versus Virginia. <laughs> then it's Brown versus Board of Education. Mm-hmm. Then I'm only teaching out of Black school because I can only teach out of Black school because <laughs> Board of Education is over there. Right. Um, so I yeah, I know it's, it's I know it's a lot of times it's a mixture. So it, it's you can't really pick one most of the time because yeah. I mean you don't really have the privilege of doing that. So like it's you know a lot of people will focus on both. So I know that's kind of a usually people answer both for that one. I, I can understand I think, that. I think with local government alone, like especially like in like when I had a chance to be in Columbus, like I was part of um goodness uh they just sent me a text let me remember who they are goodness 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 it was like her it was like it was a woman's rights organization oh okay um yeah because a lot of people follow like you know national news and everything but they're not involved locally um so i know obviously like you said that's important yeah getting people to vote in the midterm elections you have to like tell them hey like I had to take my friend with me to vote in midterm elections because I'm like, hey, this is impacting the House representatives and the Senate. This is these are your governors and your mayors. And mm-hmm. if you don't, yeah, if you don't like the one, you need to vote for um, Nan Wiley. You know what I'm saying? Like those are the things that, and even with Nan Wiley, most of you don't even know she exists, and she's also running for governor of Ohio. Um, you have to get those words out because they don't think that that matters. They think that the federal government is impacting their day to day, and honestly. Joe Biden didn't come say, hey, Ohio teachers, you can have guns. That was right. the wine. Right. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, so I know we kind of touched on this earlier because you said how Democrats are not really doing much right now. Um, but do you believe in the government as a whole? And like more, what are your views on like electoral politics? Like, do you think that they can actually make a change in our lives? I mean, I know you mentioned obviously the states would change our lives a lot, but do you think that like national politics really affects your day-to-day life a lot? I'm going to be a hundred percent and say that um, politicians are all corrupt. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even when you get a good person in the position of power, they're easily corrupted by money, influence, kind of what, other people within there like yeah we love AOC and I love I love her little like what we did in 2021 2022 little videos mm-hmm. that she comes out with at the end of the year but she, she can only do so much as an individual right she no that not, makes sense yeah yeah she's not going to be able to clear and like bulldoze through all those mm-hmm. politicians right that's one individual that we kind of have seen like get lost also with kind of trying to amplify her message because of how scrutinized and bullied she is as a whole. Like her name literally in Republican circles becomes this kind of villainized character. Um, I think that, I think our government right now, our elected officials are too old. Um, I think that, like I said, age limits should be a thing. It should have been a thing. If you are, if you are 60 or 55 plus, I'm going to need you to get out. I'm going to need you to sit down. I'm going to mm-hmm. need you to sit down and be like, Hey, like there, this is that, this is for the next generation. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be influencing things that we're not going to be alive to see. Right. Um, Listen, as a FedEx driver, I, I have a policy that nobody over the age of 70 should even drive. So let alone run our country. <laughs> But yeah, that's just a person. Like, <laughs> no, like, 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 
Yeah, I understand ageism is a real threat to people getting like post-retirement jobs that they can't mm-hmm. afford their retirement or like even like my grandpa like works at the hospital mm-hmm. and he just does like little like I don't know like side um, bed work but right those are not like they're not trying to influence the mm-hmm. population they're just trying to get by yeah no, they're just trying to get by they're just mm-hmm. trying to um pay their bills as elders right no <laughs> and that's, that's even a bigger problem is yeah. that like politicians have no idea what the actual person does mm-hmm. and how the actual person lives mm-hmm. um they were buying houses for five dollars and cars for two so it's yeah. really hard for them to conceptualize mm-hmm. the cost of living because they've never had to pay it entirely mm-hmm. without yeah that's uh, you're describing pretty much anybody over 60 so <laughs> most times um okay but so we can kind of that's that's the whole question yeah i don't have faith in them no (laughs) most people don't um so we can kind of move on to the economic side of things um i may jump around so just kind of you know i mean just answer the questions as we go um so the first question is america is a capitalist country um so you're are you familiar with the term capitalism and do you prefer it as an economic system so i am Unfortunately, very familiar with capitalism and the um, means of creating a labor class to fund the 1% lifestyle. I don't think that we realize the interest and how it because of how exploited the working class is. Like no one understands like as a teacher, right, I think when you put into the calculation, like how much teachers are actually paid, right, and how much they contribute to this little working class that they're trying to build, it's not enough. Um, I'll be transparent and say that the average starting teacher salary is like $43,000. Um, I was just lucky enough to find a district to pay me 48,000, but that, that's not the norm. Like I know people who are gonna have to be like long-term subs that make like a hundred dollars a day. And so that's $500 a week, $2,000 a month, pre-tax. Right. So when you mentioned capitalism, do you think, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but do you think like the issue is that we're looking for profit in our education system or do you think it's it's more something else? Oh yeah. yeah. We're definitely looking to privatize it. We're definitely trying to distill, like, like make sure that you kind of dispel the trust in the public education system. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I don't prefer capitalism. I think we need to be like whatever fucking European country that. Well, actually, that was my next question: is yeah. is there a country where where you think the United States I, should try to move towards? Now, is it impractical because the United States is a bunch of stubborn babies? Yes, but <laughs> we, like we literally—I know it's probably like, never going to happen. But yeah, I guess like, more socialism. Like, think about Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Socialism? Are you serious? Like, yeah. Have you seen countries that has failed? Maybe you're failing. You can't even pay your bills these months. Like, you're mm-hmm. not understand. Like like you're med- like one accident and you're in, you're in bankruptcy. I don't think mm-hmm. people understand that they're closer to homelessness than they are 
to being a billionaire and the United States love to think of themselves as temporarily embarrassed billionaires. Mm-hmm. I will use that term until I die. They, mm-hmm. Everyone thinks that they're temporarily, temporarily embarrassed. They're like, oh, like, I'll be a billionaire one day. My, my students are all like, oh, I'm going to have a billion by 30. Baby, <laughs> think about it this way. You are like, if your parents don't pay your house bill this month, y'all are homeless. Y'all are, we are all living like mm-hmm. basically close to paycheck to paycheck. No one wants to say it because we're all like, hey, mm-hmm. we're trying to survive. Mm-hmm. We have this hustler mentality. We're like, we can have multiple streams of income. Now everyone, most people are living paycheck to paycheck. Like I think like 70 or 80% of America is. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about, oh, capitalism is such a good system. How is it good if everyone's five seconds away from being mm-hmm. a bad financial situation, mm-hmm. one accident away from being disabled and then they can't pay for anything and they're mm-hmm. on the street. Steinbeck, then, was, Steinbeck was the one that had that quote, the temporary embarrassed millionaire quote. He was definitely right yeah. on that one. <laughs> I'm glad he made that quote because I needed that quote in my life. Um, so I know we kind of ta- talked a little bit about healthcare and education. Um, you can just, I mean, these are pretty much yes or no mm-hmm. questions, but you can also go into it. But do you believe that healthcare and education should be free to people? Yeah, I believe that healthcare and education are a right, not a privilege. I believe that people should have the right to be treated for any illnesses that they may accrue in a system that's failing them or in a country that you can easily get hurt on the job because you're an exploited worker making minimum wage and you can't pay your hospital bills. Now mm-hmm. you're like permanently disabled or with education. Education is... Um, the social mobility ladder. I mean, I'm also very biased as an educator. So I will admit that I have this kind of viewpoint of education as the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that when I, as a public education teacher, I think that I see my students feel that they can achieve more if they go to college if they kind of go into a path that they're like certain will i don't know increase their lifestyle that they at least want to have then i have my students that are like hey i'm gonna be a billionaire i'm not gonna do nothing i'm gonna do my work not gonna do school Mm -hmm. just figure it out i'm like okay if you can just figure it out that's perfect for you Mm -hmm. i'm gonna need you to do this paper so i think that education um, and free healthcare should be standard in a lot of places. Unfortunately, our education system is also funded by property taxes. Mm-hmm. So it's already unequal by design. So if we could make healthcare and education equitable and mm-hmm. accessible to the entire population, let's do it. But if not, and it comes this kind of class privilege and free healthcare only if you like, um, make less than this mm-hmm. and it's the poverty line or oh free education but only if you make less than this then we're kind of not recognizing the fact that middle class um people also fall underneath these ladders but they can't get up sometimes mm-hmm. yeah no that's for sure i mean a lot of the policies right now or a lot of them are unfortunately means tested which yeah. in my opinion usually ends up even costing more and it's just such a big hassle especially with I mean, student loans, is, we can kind of talk about that as well. Um, I mean, a lot of young people like ourselves are dealing with student loans. So it's like they're, they're slowly 
taking away some people's student loans, but it's so means tested and like it's it just feels so pointless. Um, so do you think that student loan debt should be abolished right now? Um, very much so. Uh, as somebody who um, I just got my bachelor's degree and I had free tuition and free housing, right? For four years. Mm -hmm. I took five years of college, right? And then my first year and a half, I paid for housing because I wasn't an RA yet. So I still have, because Ohio State's cost, I have 30,000 in debt. Now, is it better than my peers who have like a hundred, a hundred plus thousand dollars? Yes. But the fact that I am like their little like, oh, get scholarships person, right? Not the scholarships, not a one size fits all because my fifth year, what my scholarship is only for eight semesters. Mm. It's so when I call financial aid and they're like, hey, we can't do anything for your nine and 10 semester. That's because they're basing it on the standard, you're out of there in four years. So I think that student loans are astronomical. When I saw that little balance, I was like, how did I even, I was like, I thought I had free tuition and free housing. Yeah. How did I even get 30,000? Where'd that come mm -hmm. from? It came from just kind of taking too long or I'm not even taking too long, taking an extra year, um, not having my housing paid for, for a certain amount of time. And so that kind of stuff accrues easily. But my mom went to a private university and she came out with $160,000 in debt. And that wow. was, yeah, that was something that she knew that she, like, she didn't know like what she had signed up for, but like, she's still paying the cost. Right. And she's like in her. So I think we should abolish the concept of student loans. I think that also is a barrier for a lot of people act, like who want to access education is, oh my gosh, this is, this is the cost. This is so expensive. I'm gonna be in debt forever. One of my friends was just like, I wanna go to medical school. Like I'm gonna be in debt forever. I already know I'm gonna be in debt forever. Mm -hmm. And so like, right. we're accepting this whole like forever debt and we keep deferring student loans, deferring, deferring. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a profitable system. It's kind of making public, making, making the population apprehensive to pursue our education. It's making, also, it's kind of, I don't know if you've heard of the education inflation, um, where every job is requiring more degrees mm -hmm. to become something that used to just require a bachelor's degree. Now you need a master's, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're, because they're like, oh, a bachelor's degree is the new high school diploma, they're going to start making you get these higher certifications. Even as a teacher, supposedly, I'm supposed to get my master's at some point to even make as much money as I could be making. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a, like you were saying, I think a lot of people like myself included, like when I, I took a few years off after high school from college, just for the reason that it was a little too expensive. So even now, as I go, like I, I try to schedule my classes and it's like, like, do I really want to pay all this money? But, you know, it's something that, like you said, now it's pretty much required in, in a lot of places. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like getting an education is good, but sorry. Um, when you when you have to pay so much money for it, a lot of people don't find it worth it. Um, but that is definitely a, uh, 
a problem. Um, so last kind of question here in the economics aspect. Um, I know we didn't, we talked a little bit about homelessness and housing. Um, what do you think yeah. is the way we can solve homelessness in America? Um, do you think, I usually like to ask it in terms of when you think of like homeless shelters right now, do you think they are properly equipped with the tools to help people get out of homelessness? Or do you think like for me personally, I believe that housing comes first because um, a lot of these homeless shelters, they you have to constantly pass drug tests and and, and all those kind of like intense scrutinies that they put on you. And obviously those are things you want to get out of, but I believe that uh, housing is a right, no matter what drug problems or even any problems that you have. Um, I know that's kind of my opinion, but what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, so um, speaking of my mom, who's $160,000 in debt, so right now she's the assistant chief of social work and oversees the homeless program for the VA. And so the VA in Cleveland, what they do is what you said, right? Um, it's kind of crowded, right? She has had in, um, people die of COVID within her facilities. Um, people sometimes have mental illness. She has had to deal with suicide within the facilities. Um, it's just not equipped to deal with people's various mental illnesses. Um, it's not equipped to deal with the rehabilitation of um, people coming back from um, combat into civilian life. And that's also a problem that we have homeless veterans mm -hmm. um, that we're kind of like pushing to the fringes of society, right? We're like, oh, you can go fight for us, but once you come back, there's no assimilation back into society. Um, a lot of uh, homeless individuals are suffering either from, right, financial hardships. So say someone lost their job, now they're homeless. Mm -hmm. You come back, right? There's no financial support. There's no family for you. Now you're homeless. It's mental illness, right? Mental illness, you come back, um, your family doesn't want you in there um, home anymore. Um, you don't have really any place to go. So now you end up in a homeless shelter. There is no, like, even my mom can agree on this because we agree to disagree a lot of the time. There's, it's a very hard system to fix. It's very mm -hmm. hard to like, because while we have these supports in place, right. My mom runs this homeless program that houses thousands of veterans within the Northeast Ohio area. It's not enough. We don't have the, like this free housing. Like we have an abundance of housing that's owned by corporations that are selfish, mm -hmm. right? We have an abundance of housing, but there's a housing shortage to those things, right? Whereas supposed the housing market right now is, yeah, there's a shortage <laughs> because we're creating this, we're creating this false reality of housing being a privilege and it's going to pop at some point mm -hmm. it's going to pop and then that's market's going to crash and we keep this kind of cycle going where oh like all your houses are worth so 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 much crash but mm -hmm. homeless individuals right they didn't even get a place to lay their head at night because of the selfishness that is the housing market mm -hmm. everybody's um, trying to make a profit out of out of housing trying to make, yeah we're commodifying a right, right? We're making it a commodity. We're selling it for profit. 
And that's another problem with capitalism is that we're, they're not guaranteed the rights of a human. Right. We're not guaranteed food, we're not guaranteed shelter, we're not guaranteed water, we're not guaranteed anything in this system. Yep, you would think, uh, think especially that, with being in America, yeah. especially uh, I mean, the wealthiest country in history, that we could do that. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely in agreement with you there. Hard and lengthy process. I do think that if we defunded the military industrial complex and defunded policing within this country, which is not going to happen because we are a police state. Their citizens. Mm-hmm. But if we did that, maybe we would have the funds to house people. But these are just ideas that people don't agree with. I'm just mm-hmm. crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's okay. That is definitely for sure. Um, just a last question, economics um, side. I mean, this is all around really, but do you believe yeah. that young people today are better off than the previous generation or way worse? <laughs> way worse? Um, I, no, I, I, I know this. So um, let me see if I can show you. Here's mine. So services. Is my thing unblurred now? Yes. Okay. So I'm my grandparents' house. Uh-huh. So my grandparents have around a three hundred something thousand dollar house. Um, my grandfather only has a bachelor's degree, and my grandma has a high school diploma. <laughs> so um if you look at their house right they have four bedrooms through four baths they have a two-car garage they have like this idea the ideal home that is only because of the generation they grew up in mm-hmm. my mom on the other hand who has a master's degree but to get a doctorate degree she owns about a $150,000 house. So and it's like half the size of this house, mm-hmm. right? And my uncles who are there, her children as well. My uncle, my one uncle lives in an apartment in Cleveland and my other uncle lives in an apartment in Lakewood. They literally cannot buy a house um, due to the housing market and kind of inflation and how that has, so like if, affected their finances um so if you want a a literal example of being worse off than the previous Mm -hmm. generation it's the wealth inequality between generation to generation Mm -hmm. because it's not even like my um, grandparents were i guess um smarter than their children right received better education than their children they just fell into the right generation so they bought one house upgraded bought another house upgraded and so they were able to mobilize through housing to having this be their last home mm-hmm. yeah I, so like i a lot of people that you run into i don't know how your grandparents are but most people that i've run into at an old age usually you're just like oh well you just didn't work hard enough or you just didn't do all that and like i mean someone like your mom for instance i'm sure she worked extremely hard and she not to say your grandparents didn't work hard, but you know, like there's people that worked extremely hard and, and unfortunately 
really don't get that lucky as the previous generation did. Yeah, it's the main, the, the biggest problem is that, like I told you, my mom is the assistant chief of social work at the VA, mm-hmm. right? And she cannot get the same house that my grandparents have. That's the yeah. systemic problem. That is a problem. Right. Like it that is, is not... Yeah, it's no, we're not going to be better off with the previous generation. We're not, we're going to be deprived of social security. Right now, my grandparents get social security, right? We're not going to have that. We're not going to be able to get um, most benefits that today's generation, like elder generation, get. Like those pensions, gone. Like we're like, we're going through, mm-hmm. I'm not joking, like we're going through this kind of. of it and we're not mm-hmm. but yeah we're not better off we're worse <laughs> off um we, i definitely agree with that no one can afford a house no one can afford to live in their apartments so we're fucked it's okay though it's okay. It's okay just getting by um so i know you brought this up earlier obviously um I don't know if you want to go into more detail about systemic racism. Um, obviously, you said that it exists in America. I definitely believe the same. Um, so we can, I can kind of ask the second portion of this question, maybe. Um, but do you think America as a whole, not like there's institutions and people as well? Do you think that America as a whole is a racist country? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> very much so. Um, if we think about the founding principles of America and how only white men were seen as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, land owning white men, by the way, um, were seen as true humans and the rest of us were subhumans or three fifths of a human, um, literally mm-hmm. in law. Yeah. Like, in the law. Right. Yeah. Or, um, three fifths of a person we can attribute those things to us being inherently racist. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way that native indigenous people were treated, racist. Um, The way that we put limits on immigration from non-European countries, right? There's um, Japanese internment camps. We're racist in all ways. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't just Look, if you're not white, you're not welcome. Like that's yeah. literally like if there was like a little like flag mm-hmm. <laughs> in front of um the little docks in New York City, it was like if you're not white, you're not welcome. Mm-hmm. But people like it's just people don't want to admit that because that yeah. means that their ancestors are racist. That means yeah. that they are benefiting from a racist system. That means that privilege is based on race. And so the when you admit that America is a racist country, people become defensive. Yeah, yeah. Like for, for me personally, I mean, I know I am a straight white male, a blonde. Like I am the most privileged that it can get in terms of that. Um, and like when I was younger, I mean, I wasn't really involved in politics at all, so I never really like thought about it too much. But that's also because I had the unfortunately I had the privilege to do that. So like I a lot of people politics is their life so they can't really just ignore it um so like when I think of what you said like it's like yeah I I understand my privilege um 
you know, I try to use it for good, but there's not really like, I understand that I am up, like I'm privileged and there's a lot of people that aren't in America. And uh, like, I think, I don't know. I just think that if you don't recognize that, it goes back to what you said about education. A lot of people for them, ignorance is bliss. Like if they don't learn about it, they don't have to see it or hear it. Um, so I just think that personally for me, education is a big part of that as well. So I know as an educator, you probably think the same thing. Yeah. And so that's another thing is that like um, within my classroom, especially because most people don't ever have a black teacher. Did you ever have a black teacher? Some people do. Some people Not in Brooklyn. I went to Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. So some people get a black teacher. Some people don't. Yeah. Um, as a black teacher, I do make it known um, a lot of the times to talk about race, to talk about identity. Um, because if you read from the post-colonial lens, right, and kind of think about how the colonized people in a book were impacted, mm-hmm. how, how did so-and-so feel, like, because of their race in this right. book? I think that's really important, because, like, yeah. in, ter- in school, I learned, okay, like, you had George Washington, and then maybe Abe Lincoln did something, and, like, just that basic stuff, but you don't really hear much, and that's really interesting. I, I, I want to ask you, like, when in terms of like within your boundaries like what like did you teach things that they don't allow or like is there a specific like curriculum you have to follow um personally um I know that in a red weird state like Ohio I'm probably teaching something I don't know about Mm no one's gonna check me another thing I realized is that like while they're passing all these bills no one's checking um no one's in your class like no one's day in your classroom on a daily basis being like are you teaching critical race theory I pretty much taught critical race theory in my world literature class because I taught about post I taught about colonialism -colonialism, post-colonialism the effects of colonization and so and kind of the effects of colonization on the U.S. and my seniors loved it like this is stuff that they had never learned before they only learned from the colonizer point of yeah. view we're always taught from the hunters point of view we're not taught from the lion point of view and that's how I say it in my classroom we're always mm-hmm. taught from the person who shot we're not taught from the person who got shot right and so when we're thinking okay so why is this character in this situation why is the poor black character need to be saved by the white character mm-hmm what kind of events happen in history to make it so these things I definitely don't think Ohio would be like oh my gosh he's teaching all the things we want yeah you need to be taught yeah no I've always I've always wondered that and like from the teacher aspect because I know like my stepsister is a teacher but like we don't really talk about it too much but yeah like I know you guys have curriculums to meet and stuff so I've always wondered like so there is for teachers, we had to teach certain texts. Mm-hmm. What you, how you teach those certain texts is kind of up to you. Um, like for The Great Gatsby, um, because it was the 1920s, we went into the Harlem Renaissance. I was able to um, have my students speculate, was Gatsby black? Was he a white passing man who was actually from black society? And how, like I had to find a news article, that was really cool. And so like things that most people don't do with The Great Gatsby, I was able to do like kind of, oh, were there any black characters in this book? No, <laughs> how can we talk about that? Um, we also taught The Crucible, which is like the Salem Rich Trials. Then we taught 
Streetcar Named Desire, which had literally a character named Negro Woman in it. So she wasn't even given a name. So we talked about the implications of naming. Why wasn't of the minority characters? Like there's a Hispanic character, that's clearly Latino woman. Why are the minority characters in this text not given the privilege of having a name? Why are they nameless? What does that mean? What does that say about their role in the book, their role in society? Right. What um what level do you teach at? Um, last year I taught 11th and 12th and then this next year I'm teaching nine and 10. Oh, okay. So nine and so the thing with 11th and 12th graders is that they're more mature to handle these topics. And so I'm gonna have to like probably tweak my curriculum a bit mm-hmm. to have these conversations with 14 to 16 year olds, right? I'm talking to 16 to 18 year olds. And so they're more equipped. Um, a lot of them watch TikTok. They're all on Twitter. They're all on these little protest things, right? Yeah. They have a lot to say. But that's because they're about to head out into like the real world. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I teach that to like people that just came fresh out of middle school? I'm gonna have to figure that out. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, so I know we mentioned a little bit about policing. Um, do you believe that policing needs a change in this country? And if so, um, what do you think? Or is there a need for policing? Or what? What is your thoughts on policing? I know there's, <laughs> I know it's a very nuanced conversation and uh, there's a lot of things that go into it, but um, in terms of like every day, like, what do you think that we can do in, in America, in our police state that we are in? See, I don't think there's a way to change current policing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that true abolition would need to come in a restructure. Do I think that will ever happen? No, I think that what needs to change is approaches to policing. From the community aspect or? Yes. So, because at the end of the day, policing is meant to surveillance minority communities, is meant to oppress, their voices and suppress their kind of position in society. If you're consistently pressing your thumb on something, of course the pressure is gonna make it explode, right? So if you're consistently having police presence or consistently having these kind of... <laughs> so sorry. It's fine. Hey. Yeah. I'm doing the interview with Nick. So oh, Okay. All right, bye. Are you coming straight over? Uh, I might go home real quick and then come over. I'll let you know. Okay, let me know. Okay, All right, All right, bye. bye. Okay. You're good. <laughs> I was just like, I know if I didn't answer, you would think I was not alive. No, you're fine. <laughs> I, I can cut it. I gotta, I'll cut it anyways. Um, but we were saying, well, like for me personally, um, I believe that, I mean, policing itself, the original form of policing was used as slave patrol. And it evolved from there. Um, So, I mean, you look at any protest, any political movement, who's always there to suppress it, the police. So um, like you were saying, I think, I don't, I don't believe either that there's a way to fix it within the current system. Um, Now in terms of how we would overhaul the whole system, I know that's very tough just because of how stubborn everybody is. So um, I'm even stubborn. It's the fact that like, it's literally a white supremacist structure that people don't want to give up. Mm-hmm. like 
come on, we're, we're protecting the slave patrol still? Come on, let's get it together. Yeah. No, I, I definitely uh, agree on that. I've read some uh, recent books on it. Um, the Derek Pernell one, I don't know if you've read that. Um, that's one of my favorite books I've read recently. It's it's uh, it's called Becoming Abolitionist. So it's just basically about... Is that, you can answer. You're good. You're fine. It's fine. It's not... There's nothing... I'm doing an interview right now. With who? With Gurdip's friend for politics. Okay. Nice. Hey, Listen, I need help. Okay. Is Gurdip over there too? No, Gurdip's not over here too. He's coming over there though. He's coming over soon. Talk is like the day is the time that everyone comes out. It's fine. It's okay. I promise. <laughs> I just paused the recording. I, I'll go back and edit. Okay. Um, I kind of forgot where you we were at, but. I mean, no, like no, you were saying, no. policing. Yeah, policing. Um, yeah, I think it definitely needs a complete overhaul Did as well. Did you read a book by Derricka? Yeah, Derricka Purnell. I don't know if you've heard of her. I'm going to uh, go get up on Amazon. It's one of her popular ones. She just came out with it recently, but it's a very good book. Um, it, it, it deals with how we can actually um, overhaul the complete police system. She talks about community policing and um, like how the community can get involved together um, in terms of and not even having police and basically working on fixing fixing people's lives so there isn't a need for policing. Uh, but it's a very interesting book. I would I would definitely uh, recommend it. But um, like I said, I, I definitely believe that we need a complete overhaul um, and unfortunately. A lot of people are scared oh, of that. Abolitionist. Yes. Oh, someone did recommend me that. Yeah, book. I would definitely read it if you have a chance. Um, but I mean, there's definitely plenty of other books out there as well and stuff. But then I know, obviously, uh, like I said, I'm a white man. So like for me personally, I I mean, I'm still scared of police, but like I, I will never know what it feels like to, you know, have to go through something like that. And just because of my privilege. So, you know. I also think that like, I grew up as the daughter of a police officer who is now a police sergeant. Um, oh, did you? I did not know that. Yeah, so my dad is a police officer for the city of Akron and I is a police sergeant. Um, and he wants to be promoted to lieutenant. So um, that definitely changes a lot of intersectionality between black and policing because I grew up under the guise that policing was a necessity, that um, that's what keep my father employed, that my father was doing good for the community. And then I grow up and I see the reality of policing, see the um, community betrayal that comes with being black and a police officer. Um, the implicit bias that you have as a black man and then having to remind your father that once he takes off his uniform, he's just as much as a black man as everybody else around him. And so the police don't really know the difference. Unless yeah, because there's a lot of people that say like they join the police force that say like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a change and, and I can do this. And a lot of people unfortunately realize when they get in there that it's so taught, like when you go through your training, you can go through as much training as you want. And there's like when you get with another officer when you first start they're like all right fuck everything you learned in training you're gonna do it this way and it's i'm sure it's very hard um 
to to realize that and uh yeah like i i don't have any family members that are cops but i know that's that's a big thing that people have to cope with um like i don't know how i would feel if one of my family members was a was a police officer but uh, i'm sure it's it's very difficult um i think it it just becomes like talking to a brick wall and so it kind of to more yeah but especially a black police officer is very hard to yeah you know because they don't realize that they're black <laughs> that's a big thing <laughs> about black police officers yeah um so we can kind of move on to our other militarized state literally our military um do you think i know this is a very nuanced question as well but do you think the American military is a force for evil or a force for good around the world. And do you have, I know you mentioned, I think you have family members in the military. Like what, how do you deal with that as well? So um, my dad was in the air force. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he yeah. went through it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he was in the air force before he became a um, police officer. When I say that, um, the military is a source of evil, a very intrusive source of evil. Um, I say that with a veteran father and a mother who works exclusively with veterans at the VA. Um, my mom literally tells me that some veterans come back like and they can't even function in a normal society because of the things that they have seen. Mm-hmm. There's people that are permanently disabled through the military that are not given supports to integrate back into civilian life. There's people that um, see things that they cannot see, um, are sexually assaulted in the military. There's a lot of problems within the military industrial complex that we just keep fun- like pushing money towards mm-hmm. without addressing them. Yeah. Um, I think the U- US military spending is exorbitant it's too much for what it actually is used for keeps going Uh, up too (laughs) yeah it consistently goes up um because people are so afraid of the outside they're so xenophobic that they can't recognize that we don't need a military that big Mm -hmm. and all the problems that go with and being in the military no one in the military wants to be in the military unless they just want to hold a gun and be a serial killer it's amazing Uh, that the only way you can get free housing free education free health care is by joining the military it's very one of the two you either (laughs) go to jail you get the military that's very Um, interesting how that all works (laughs) you have to participate in one of their wonderful profit centers um so the thing with the military also as a source of evil is that it's pushed it's u.s imperialism and colonization it's consistently pushing our agendas on other populations it's a consistently pushing our presence on other populations without recognizing that we are the bad guys like no one wants to say oh why did the U.S. go and bomb that place? Are we the bad guys? No, they want to be the good guys for bombing innocent civilians. That's a mind fuck. No, no one, no, you're not the good guys. We're always helping them out somewhere. Yeah, helping (laughs) them out. Like, oh, I think this, their leader was corrupt. No, you wanted to displace their leader so you could put one in charge that you approved of. Yeah, and that's (laughs) something that I like always thought was interesting. It's like, because I, I know, I actually have family members in the military too. And it's like, yeah, like I feel for them in terms of 
like the struggles that they have to go through as a person because nobody deserves that but also you think about that and then you think about the harm that they've caused to other people you know and it's like I like you were the one doing it so it's like I understand how how difficult it is to go through that and see that but then again I always try to think of the other side too in, in terms of what they had to go through too so it's like it's I, it's not to say that I don't feel sympathy for bet, for veterans because like you said a lot of them join for that specific reason they join because they're in a military family so it's like a lot of them don't really have a choice um but like I said there's a lot of things that go into that yeah and on top of that I think that we're just so oblivious to how bad the military is and that's not like that's a big problem that I hate is that like we have this mental toll at the back of our minds like we need to be protected we need to be protected but are they actually protecting us or are they destroying other people's lives mm-hmm. are they they, actually they call it the department of defense right okay. are they actually <laughs> defending our yeah. I don't know right livelihoods or are we just imposing our views on other people through violence mm-hmm. yeah they say if you, if you spend a quarter i think it was a stat that i read if you spend a quarter of the military budget for one month i think something about how pretty much we can afford to abolish student loan debt just by a quarter for one year of one month yeah. it's like yeah. it's so but ingrained in our society to... yeah they don't want to give it up and that's just yeah that's uh that's for sure. Um, so a couple more, I just have like two yeah. more topics um, that I kind of wanted to go over. Um, we were talking about the military and policing. Um, so that kind of leads into uh, guns. So mm-hmm. obviously there's been a lot of recent news with guns. I mean, it happens every day in America. So it's it just goes in and out of the news cycle. Um, but what what is your stance on guns? Like, do you think that it's just assault rifles? Do you think that it's all guns? Like what, do you have any reforms that you would push through or like just? So I think it's entirely too easy to get a gun as a regular person. I should not be able to go up to a gun fair in the weirdest county in Ohio um, as a 17 or 18 year old and purchase a gun, an assault rifle at that. Um, I think as a teacher, um, it makes me fear for my life. Um, it makes me fear for my um, students' lives because we're immersed into this state of fear based on what could have easily been fixed. Um, there's no reason why I should go into my job fearing to be shot by a teenager, another student, another teacher. I shouldn't be... Um, like this constant state of fearing guns as a teacher. Um, I shouldn't be in a state of making the moral ob- a moral choice of shooting something or as a teacher, um, <laughs> shooting somebody, shooting anything. That's not my, that's not what I signed up for. That's not what yeah. I received training for. I received training to be a teacher, not a gunman. Yeah. Um, and then what happens when the police mistake me as the shooter and shoot me because I have the gun. <laughs> um, so no yeah. one is like, rationalizing the fact that guns are dangerous guns kill people it's not all people kill people um no the gun that you're using to kill other person killed the Mm -hmm. person um and it's 
heartbreaking because we definitely need to abolish assault rifles. We need to abolish um, the ease of getting guns. There's no reason we should be dismantling gun regulations right now in a society that um, 21 lives can be lost. There's mm-hmm. no reason that we should be rolling back those regulations just because a bunch of weird dudes were like, oh my God, let's go to the NRA and let's yeah. just like, lobby against having our guns in case right. of a coup, which we'll probably stage. But it's okay. Good luck, good luck defending yourself from a coup yeah. from our government. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, it's entirely yeah. too easy to get a gun mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, a lot of people, it's a hobby for them. And it's like, I like, okay, if you think shooting guns is cool, like whatever, like, I think it's weird as fuck. But if you think that's so like, okay, but you can also still like, okay, there's, there's the instance of like home defense. So like a lot of people will say, oh, you need a gun for home defense. But my view is I will never do that because it's more likely that gun's going to be used for uh, suicidal domestic abuse, accidental use. So it's like, if when you sit here and factor in all these other things, and it's like, I always bring this up, but it's like, if someone comes into your home, first of all, they're not really looking to kill you. Like, I don't, you think you're not in a video game where someone's out to hunt you. And then second, like, if they're there, you're not going to be like, oh, hold on, let me go unlock my safe and pull it out. Like, it's not going to happen. So, you know, like I said, I I don't believe in that the same rationale with having a teacher gun door gun drawer that they have to unlock i'm not getting i'm in a state of like chaos i'm not unlocking the teacher gun to shoot right. the gun and like and yeah you shouldn't have to i mean that's not your job like you said so i mean it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> um so we can kind of move on to the very last topic it's definitely a uh doomer topic as well um but climate change uh so i know as young people it's something that like me personally, I don't think about it every day. Like I do other issues. Um, but then again, you don't really think about climate change until it happens to you. Um, so like there's, I mean, there's obviously ways to be proactive and like, I, I don't believe in, in, I mean, I do to an extent, like I believe that consumer side activism is good. Like you know, not using plastic things and single use plastics and all that is good. But personally, I believe that most of these companies like ExxonMobil, for instance, they use that to try to make you feel guilty and make it look like they're not doing anything wrong. Um, So basically, just like, what do you think about climate change? Like, is it something that you think about in terms of like, your future? And like, I don't know if you want to have children. But like, do you worry about that in, in this society? It's so funny because I made a joke to my friend um, the other day. Let me see if I can find it. I literally just, it had to be like yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, no. So it was, it was um, a few days ago and I was just like, you know, what's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why did we talk about so much? I hate that we talk about so much because like, <laughs> I'm trying to like stroll up like find the joke um, if i just search climate change i'm gonna be 100 okay I'm be able to find it. oh okay there we go <laughs> so we were just like talking about like who can say the n-word and if i have half indian babies like can they say it and then it was just like it was a lot but anyway <laughs> so she says like um they're gonna bully my kids right and i was like it's okay climate change is gonna get their ass in our in our asses too 
And she was like, Lord, the, the world is literally ending. I was like, yeah, I understand. So we literally joke about like, like my friend, yeah. like we joke about climate change and it's a very serious topic. So we shouldn't joke about it. But like, that's just like a co- casual conversation that's happening. Yeah. Like, oh, but it's okay. Like climate change is going to get my kids bullies because yeah. they're being bullied. Um, but I know a lot of people, a lot of young people, like it's that same. I, I just feel like it's, they realize it so much that it's like, what else can we do besides like yeah joke about it and, and all that stuff you know but it's a very serious topic um I remember in 2018 I took a climate change biology class and my teacher like like I had the, I have the weirdest prophecy teachers like I can talk to you, to you about my sixth grade teacher that like knew that we weren't coming back after spring break during COVID but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a weird prophecy teacher so my climate change biology professor was um he had us write a letter to our future selves <sighs> that basically was just like hey like um just letting you guys like letting you know that pandemic that pandemic is becoming more common it's going to be like super hot all the time and um we're not going to survive this and it was a very like fucking dark humor like we were all like ah, we're mm-hmm. right future selves about climate change but then it really stuck with me like like that activity stuck with me because it wasn't fake like yeah had a pandemic in 2020 like he was just like oh yeah pandemics are gonna come more common because um the way that I've, I should have probably stu- like paid more attention than I did in that class. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I he probably yeah. meant in terms of the way disease spread. It's it's a lot easier. The, yeah. yeah, like disease spreading, thawing, mm-hmm. whatever. Pandemics are becoming more common. Um, summers are becoming hotter. The temperature of the world is becoming hotter. So like this summer, while it's fucking blazing hot, this is our coldest summer of the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Like the way we think about it is like next summer is gonna be hotter. This gonna be hotter, and it's gonna be hotter. Yeah. and we can't keep like our bodies are not evolving in real time mm-hmm. like we're gonna reach a point where the climate is too hot for us we cannot function as a society outside so what do we go underground like do we like build like fucking bomb shelter type vibes mm-hmm. and so like we only go out in the sun when like it's like at night so it's going to get to a point where it's not a joke anymore and that's when all the dead republicans are going to be like well (laughs) yeah and like i think with climate change yeah (laughs) with with climate change a lot of it too is um like i said like a lot of people don't realize it's happening unless it's in front of them like i mean i know we've had a lot of heat in ohio this summer and it's like okay you're like yeah whatever like it's just hot out but like no. it's not just the heat as well you know there's floods there's all kinds of natural disasters so it's and like a lot of people unfortunately there's privileged people that are going to be able to withstand it you know and uh i think it's going to affect more of the less fortunate people than oh, yeah. anything else obviously just like most problems every, every, that's what we, that, that's how everything's gonna work yeah Elon exactly. Musk and his crew is gonna, are gonna be in space okay we're gonna be the ones burning up <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna be on the little spaceship, mm-hmm. um, colonizing Mars, making people pay to go. <laughs> yep. But there's, uh, there's movies about that, but there's a reason that they made the movies. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I didn't add this question on here, but I asked uh, about it too. Um, it's in terms of religion. Um, so like, 
obviously religion's been in the news recently with with the whole abortion and overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, do you think? Are you a religious person? And like, if so, like, how has that affected your life? Like, have you always been a religious person, or are you less religious now? And like, what do you think about people that use their religion in certain ways and and stuff like that? Okay. So another thing is that also the Supreme Court just decided that teachers can pray in schools. Mm -hmm. That was, I think that was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, that was yesterday. So we are reaching this kind of Christianity, fascist, like weird control state. Mm -hmm. Um, So I grew up Baptist Christian. That meant that every Sunday my ass was in church Um, without a question, right? I was kind of forced into Christianity. Um, Like even right now, I don't know. I just feel like I'm this weird, like just in case God is real and is like gonna come, like sure, I kind of want to float with them. I don't want to like be stuck here, Mm but I'm very much disappointed in Christianity. I'm very um, frustrated with Christians as a group. I think that they use their belief system to propel hate, to um, think lesser of other people, to judge their lifestyle. Um, when you go to church with a hand tattoo, you're not really like everyone's favorite. Right. Um, and so it's come to a point where Christianity that supposedly preaches love and acceptance, um, misconstrues their word and they're preaching hate and exclusion. Mm -hmm. And they're coming to, it's coming to, it's becoming racist. Well, church and separation of church and state is, has pretty much never been a thing, but it's definitely That's becoming more thing, right. Like the Pledge of Allegiance, yeah, has God in it, right? One nation, yeah, exactly. One nation under God, indivisible, right? We have in God we trust on our fucking money. Mm-hmm. Um, so while we preach freedom of religion, let a Muslim teacher lead their lead our students in prayer. <laughs> that literally happened. Let, the one, the one girl was she said like one nation under Allah and they freaked yeah. out about it. So it's, yeah. yeah. And so, or let, um, Gertie who seek lead prayer right in mm-hmm. front of the class. That's going to change. That's going to shift the rules real quick. Cause they thought it was, if they said Christians only, they just didn't put it in the bill. Yeah. It meant Christians only. Yeah. Right. So it's infringing on people's religious freedom. I think that I'm very, I'm less religious than I used to be. I used to be like super duper, super duper nice, super <laughs> duper Bible freak. Um, used to like love, love the Bible. I mm-hmm. don't. Does the Bible mention anything about abortion? Actually, God kills babies in the Bible. So, like, I think that like was, so was God white. That's the thing is that when you start getting into the intricate mm-hmm. details of christianity and it's used to control slave populations and it's Mm -hmm. used to um kind of give slaves this hope of freedom that will never come but freedoms in the afterlife freedom is not on earth right freedoms in this afterlife that master is telling you Mm -hmm. but he won't let you read he'll they'll preach to you verbally but he won't let you read Mm -hmm. he won't let you free be a free thinker about why y'all are on the fields 
day and night. Mm -hmm. Um, Christianity is used to control. It's used to bring influence. And that's why as a self-proclaimed Christian, I don't really fuck with what Christians are doing right now. Mm -hmm. Right. It's becoming very fast is very fast <laughs> it's becoming mm-hmm. like it's giving hitler sometimes it's really bad mm-hmm. like only white christian male babies yeah can participate in this mm-hmm. um so like me personally i think that like i I've, I've never really been much of a religious person it wasn't really in my family too much but like for me personally i think it just comes down to being a good person because i mean you can be religious and that's perfectly fine like i I'm personally, I consider myself agnostic. So like, I believe that, like I said, if there is a God out there, like, I don't think that just because you're a horrible person in your life, but, oh, you don't eat meat on Fridays, like you're going to go if there's a, like, you know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at. And it's like, I just think that although religion has been used for, for good in the world, and it, I think it really can bring people together and like, there's people that say like, oh, if religion wasn't there, then everybody would, wouldn't care about other people. And I think there is kind of a truth to that, but also I think that there's people out there that aren't religious, but they still are good people. So, you know, it's definitely, I don't know, like I said, I, I don't personally believe that, um, just because you have a certain religion, it should be enforced on somebody else. Um, like I said, I'm not, uh, I'm a male, so that's, the Roe v. Wade decision doesn't affect me like that, um, but until you get um, Ash Parker, well, that is very true. <laughs> yeah, I know she's been super worried about it too, and because her mom is pretty strict as well, so it's like I don't know what we would do. So you know, it's like I told her I was like, I'll get a vasectomy. I don't. How much does it cost? Like I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyways, um, so. I guess that's pretty much all the questions I have. Like, did you, the final question I usually like to ask is like, I know we've discussed this, but like, did you always have these views or like, when did you become involved politically or has it always been a part of your life? And like, do you have any advice for people that are getting into politics or or looking to get into politics? Yeah, so I didn't always have these views, um, right? I had a police officer dad who, and we went to church every Sunday. And I was very much, oh my God, America, let me wear, like, like, we're so great. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in, uh, I would say high school, but no, um, seventh grade, Trayvon Martin was shot. Um, And that's when I started realizing the reality of America, ninth grade. um, I read Our America which was about um, two black boys in the South side of Chicago. Um, it was their autobiography and just kind of their livelihood. And I realized mm-hmm. that we are very segregated society. And then 10th grade, Tamir Rice was shot. And so I think these like these integral events um, and recognizing my blackness made me have more sympathy for making sure that other little boys and girls don't have to go through the trauma that I had to go through. That mm-hmm. don't have to see their um, right contemporaries be shot because 
they're black. You know, it's not it's not ideal um, to have to come to these beliefs through seeing devastating events, but that's kind of how I had to be. Like my first organization wasn't until Micaiah Bryant. And I actually taught where Micaiah Bryant was going to school. Oh, wow. So I saw teachers say, like literally there was a white male teacher that said that seeing the video of his student, Micaiah Bryant, be shot, made him feel better about the situation. And so that kind of stuff radicalizes me. That kind of stuff mm-hmm. like, gets me riled up. Like I literally cried that day. Like I was just like, are you fucking serious? Like you're a shit human. Like this is like, yeah. it, like this is a shitty person thing to say. Yeah. Your student gets shot and you're saying the video made you feel better about it. Like, no, you need to have some fucking sympathy maybe some fucking empathy and think about what her parents are going through. And that's when, that's why I'm here. That's kind of where I changed my major. I used to be, remember I was like a biology, biochemistry Mm -hmm. major, and now I'm an educator. Mm -hmm. Um, So those kind of things have influenced my decision-making where I am right now, kind of what I'm passionate about. And so any advice for people um, on entering politics is let it radicalize you, let it make you passionate about the things that you love. Don't let, don't become discouraged to the point of non-action because then you're just kind of sit, a sitting duck mm-hmm. waiting for the world to end, waiting for this kind of doomsday, right? Police state fascist hell, yeah. right? So I think when you're entering politics, let that anger you, let that make you passionate about something, because if once you're that passionate about it, you have lost your fire. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a sad thing to say. Like, if I wasn't passionate about te- like teaching is thankless work. Like, no, like, like being a teacher, like sometimes sucks. Like I've had, like, I've like had times where like, I just cry because like, yeah. it's so hard to get through to kids sometimes about like what the actual world is like yeah like if if I was a kid and like I mean I don't remember what much of my teachers taught me when I was that age but you know well the thing is like I had good teachers who like I like I was able to read Our America in ninth grade I was able to read I was able to have a Socratic seminar about Tamir Rice shooting in 10th grade right in 11th grade I was able to talk about social I took a social issues class I love social issues. So we talked about like all the stuff that we're talking about today. And that's also what really radicalized me um, was a social issues class I took when I was in 11th grade. But those are opportunities that I had based on the school district that I went to. Mm-hmm. That wasn't so, like if I was in a school district that was poor and I have funding to have a social issues class, then I wouldn't have gotten exposed to those things. Right. So. Yeah. No, like, I mean, for me too, like, it's, it's like that, like, there's certain things that, that happen that you're like, okay, wow, like, that's extremely fucked up. So it's like, it does, like, motivate you to get more involved. And like, me recently, like, I, I got into politics, probably, like, when I graduated high school more, um, I probably like, once Trump got elected, it was like, okay, how, the, how does someone like that get, like, get there? Like, it's like, and that kind of made me realize everything. And then it's just like, now where I'm at, it's like, yeah, I do. I say all these things and I hate the way the world is and I hate the way America is, but like, I'm also not going to just sit there and not do anything about it because I think that's, I'm just contributing at that point, you know? 
So it's like, I, I get the doomerism from a lot of people. Um, but like, if you're not, like you said, if you're not passionate about it and you're not doing something like there's not really much point, like I, I that's just, you know, my personal belief. So, oh gosh, but, have to go like change the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that is, uh, pretty much it. Is there anything, I mean, I don't know who the fuck is going to watch this besides like my professor and maybe a couple other people, but like, is there anything you want to say or like any, any plugs you want to make or like anything like that? Any plugs? Um, <laughs> like I said, I don't know what kind of audience will be reached by this. But. I don't know either, but <laughs> reminder, women's rights are human rights, Black Lives Matter, and love is love at all times. And so that's, that's one thing that I always tell my students. And if they have a problem with it, they can take it up with me, their mm -hmm. teacher. But those three things are just fundamental like rights that I believe in. Um, and if loving versus Virginia gets overturned, it looks like I won't be dating my boyfriend anymore and you won't be dating your girlfriend anymore. So we got yeah. problems. <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt it to be honest at this point. I don't know. Hey, I just don't know how they're gonna enforce that one. I'm like, yeah. there's a lot of interracial relationships, even Clarence Thomas, he's gonna be fucked. But okay. <laughs> Um, that's how we get to him no I'm kidding all right well uh thank you so much uh this was amazing I I know it was a little long but personally <laughs> I I was hoping it would be because I I enjoyed talking about this stuff so uh yeah. I'm did, gonna go um, deep tell you that I think you should do this with Jad I think you should interview Jad did you already I mean I didn't ask him personally I put it in the group chat I was like hey I'm doing this if anybody wants to I mean I wouldn't be opposed I, like I, I think it'd be like hilarious to do this with a um different viewpoint yeah like i i know i've done you and gradeep and then i did um my sister who's relatively left-leaning as well so i yeah. i mean i don't i don't know like i don't like to hang out with a lot of conservatives just because like i don't know sorry like if you don't see somebody as a person like i don't really find a middle ground with that so it's like i don't know i don't I really just, i know gradeep likes sit through it yeah. I just want to go sit through it. Like he he's like, oh, whatever. Like we we can just not talk politics and it's fine. But it's like at some point it's gonna come up and like there's no reason that I have to be friends with you or no reason that I have to talk to you. So it's like if you're a cool person, like yeah, sure. But if not, then I don't know, it's whatever. Like I'm not nobody's forcing me to be friends with you. So I don't know. <laughs> I think it would be so funny, like to have I know. I mean, I, I do it, like I don't really I just don't want it to turn into like a debate. No, it's gonna turn into a fight. It's gonna like I would like I would hop through my screen if I had to talk to. I almost hopped over the table um, when Jad said that he doesn't believe in dinosaurs. So he said that he doesn't. He doesn't. He thinks that dinosaurs are exaggerated, and exactly. so he has, yeah, he doesn't think that they're as big as um, oh. what we portrayed them to be. Okay. So that the bones, the bones are fake. Well, that's. Oh, maybe I should do this because if he says that, I want to see what else he has to say. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, he thinks dinosaurs are exaggerated. So. Oh boy. Um, here, so we can keep talking, but I'm gonna do kind of an outro and then I'm gonna cut it. So yeah. I'm just gonna say uh, thank you so much for coming uh, to my talk, um, and I wish you the best of luck in all your uh, teaching endeavors. And uh, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. All right. All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed. And uh, thank you so much again for Bree for coming on. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Peace.